seventh and that was a song that to me just i don't know seems summer set on pit cottage cheese pierogies i mean they're great in the winter too but it just seems like a very summery summery tune dobri večer i vitaju vas vsih dorehi radio suhačina radio programu naš holos radio krinsko hokorinja na bahatumovni radio stanci am 1320 chmb u misti vancouveri pri mikrofoni pavlina Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's program, we've got a book review. It is Marsha Skripik's latest novel, and it is set during Holodomor, as well a deep dive into the Nasholos audio archives going back about 20 years almost, and an interview with Victor Malarek about the book that he published back in 2003 called The Natasha's The New Global Sex Trade, And he was kind enough to give me an interview after he launched his book in Vancouver. And given how the topic of human trafficking has been dominating the public discourse in the wake of the release of the movie Sound of Freedom earlier this month, I thought it might be worth taking another listen to some words of wisdom from 20 years ago that had they been heeded, perhaps that movie would not have been needed. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is an oldie but goodie by Rushnichok called Komarek, something that most of us in North America contend with in the summer months, mosquitoes. Uh, this song is a story about a marriage between a mosquito and a fly, very symbolic. Here they are, Rushnichok with Komarek. Oh, I'm 
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shurchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shurchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Holos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shurchenkofoundation.ca. Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a tax-deductible donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water, and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water, and medications, and when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com, or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. popular young group from Ukraine called Ethnogen and a brilliant uh, blend of the traditional Billy Holo style and more modern musical stylings and uh, instrumentation. Ethnogen with Krov Chervona, Zemlya Chorna, which translates as blood is red, the ground is black. 
Up next, another group from Ukraine that is uh, making quite a sensation on the internet, and they're quite prolific, putting out some great music. They are the Khmelnytsky Police Big Band, and here they are with a fairly recent release called Moi Predke, My Ancestors, and a tribute, certainly, to our Ukrainian ancestors. The Khmelnytsky Police Big Band. Священні ножі з моїх предків хвалити Бога за волокам ніхто не служив. Дарували від батька до сина честь у спадок, як білу кість. Мої предки були красиві, ворогам на подиві злість. Хай не славою Бог там з нею, як присягою на шаблях. Мої предки владали землею, їм належалася земля. Хай не славою Бог там з нею, як присягою на шаблях. Мої предки владали землею, їм належала ця земля. Відсопки нашини чоснови, крізь віки однієї сім'ї, невразливим пронесли слово. І моцна була порода Соловки Магадан коли ма Мої предки були народом Хай не славою Бог там з нею Як присягою на шабалях Мої предки владали землею Їм належалася земля Хай не славою Бог там з нею Як присягою на шабалях Мої предки владали землею, чим належала ця земля. Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Stories about Ukraine and Ukrainians in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Marsha Forchuk Skripuk's novel, Winterkill. Winterkill examines the experience of Ukrainians during the Holodomor of the 1930s. The narrative describes the conscious choice of Russian Soviet authorities to starve Ukrainian farmers and their families 
in order to impose Stalin's five-year plan. It was supposed to modernize the Soviet Union, but actually hurt people like us. He was taking away our farms and making them into one big collective farm, the Kholhos. Twelve-year-old Nil lives with his family in the village of Filipka, near Kharkiv in Soviet Ukraine. It is 1930, and the Soviet authorities are visiting farms to catalog the possessions of Ukrainian farmers. One day, two strangers from Canada appear. Alice is a young pioneer, and her father works for the Soviets. They have come all the way from Canada to implement Soviet plans to collectivize farms. Alice tells Nil, we're helping with the drive to get people signed up for the kolkhoz, as the pair catalog all his family's possessions Nell realizes nothing will ever be the same. The brutal collectivization process continues, and everything is questioned. Religion, family, beliefs, education, individual ownership, culture, and farming practices. Alice tells Nell to get rid of his family's icons, because they will get his family into a lot of trouble. All the family's farm animals are taken away for the kolkhoz. Tractors will supposedly replace people in the fields and produce more grain. The Soviets kill the local priest and his wife, and the church is destroyed. Nil's uncle Ilya is killed. Other kulaks are sent into exile, and Aunt Paulina's collection of old folk songs is burned. Nil and his family realize that they must leave their home and everything they have ever known. While trying to survive, he must deal with grief for his parents, his sister Yulia's loyalty to the Soviet cause, and his brother Slavko's desire to remain in Ukraine to build tractors. During Nil's journey, he is helped by Alice, the young pioneer from Canada, a variety of generous villagers, and Rhea Kleiman, a Canadian journalist. Kleiman was expelled from the USSR for reporting truthfully about the Holodomor, while other Western journalists collaborated with the Soviets to cover up these horrific events for decades. Skripuk deals with a difficult subject in a thoughtful and compassionate way. She wrote this novel because of her own personal connections to the history of Ukraine. Her Ukrainian-born grandfather, was a member of the Canadian Communist Party. He came to Canada before World War I and was interned as an enemy alien in Jasper, Alberta. The Communists welcomed him back after the internment, but he was rejected by many other Canadians. He even wanted to go to the Soviet Union, but the events of Stalin's Holodomor caused him to reject his former beliefs. While written for younger readers, this novel will appeal to readers of all ages because of the strength of its characterization and storyline. Nil and Alice are both intelligent, empathetic, and brave young people who are dedicated to truth, morality, and family. The storyline deals with the events of Stalin's Holodomor. He not only wanted to collectivize parts of Ukraine, he also wanted to eliminate the Ukrainian culture and population. Villagers were starved to death while their wheat was used to feed other Soviet citizens. We provided them with a bountiful harvest, and now they would leave us with nothing. Ukrainian culture was brutally attacked. Nail watches the village priest and his wife being killed, and his church burned down. Aunt Paulina's collection of Ukrainian folk songs is burned after her husband is murdered by the Soviets. It wasn't enough for the shock workers to kill my uncle. They also burned the songs. Our way of life was being erased. While Winterkill is about the events of the Holodomor in the early 1930s, there is a direct link to the actions of Putin's Russia during the war in Ukraine 
which began in 2014 and escalated to a full-scale invasion in February 2022. In these years, Russian soldiers have murdered civilians, committed war crimes, and specifically targeted cultural institutions for destruction. This novel will appeal to those readers who want to know more about the history of Ukraine, the Holodomor, and the politics of genocide. Marsha Fortschuk Skrapuk is a Ukrainian-Canadian writer who has published more than 20 books. Marsha suffered from dyslexia as a child, but overcame it with patience and determination. After high school, she backpacked around Europe and then took a job selling industrial supplies. She was the first woman in Canada to do so. She became a librarian after completing her master's degree in library science, but her real dream was to become a writer. After receiving over 100 rejections for her first lengthy novel, in 1996 she published her first book, Silver Threads. Her books have won many awards, including the 2020 Saskatchewan Snow Willow Award for Don't Tell the Enemy, the 2020 Yellow Cedar Award for Too Young to Escape, and the 2018 Golden Oak Award for Adrift at Sea. She was honored by Ukraine's president with the Order of Princess Olha. Winterkill was a selection of the Velshi Band Book Club. In 2022, Marsha was banned for life from entering the Russian Federation. Marsha lives in Brantford, Ontario, with her family. Winterkill is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thank you, Myra, for another thorough and thoughtful review. Join us again soon for another Kanishka Corner Book Review with Myra Jenik here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In the meantime, if you'd like to listen again to this or Myra's previous reviews or read the transcript, you can find them archived at our website, www.nasholos.com.
From Toronto, that was Nastasia Y with her original composition, Biz Voss, Without You, and a message to the invaders from the East that Ukrainians would rather be without light, without water, without all the necessities of life than to return to the misery of life ruled by the Kremlin. And here's another message to the Kremlin. Слухайте радиопрограму «Наш голос» радио Кринського Кориня. При микрофоні Павліна. You're listening to «Наш голос» Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Павліна. Up next, a deep dive into the «Наш голос» audio archives going back about 20 years. It came to mind as a result of the flurry of publicity and controversy surrounding the movie «Sound of Freedom», a movie that tells the story of a daring rescue in South America of young children who fell victim to the scourge of human trafficking for the purposes of sexual exploitation. This is not a new phenomenon. Slavery is as old as time, but its reemergence in recent decades globally is new to us, as is its alarming acceleration into the most profitable illicit trade today, vile as it is. Ukrainians are no strangers to human trafficking, what used to be called white slavery, and which as a youngster I was warned about uh, with not much detail, but uh, just enough fear to understand the danger. And that was here in Canada, by the way, in rural small town Saskatchewan back in the 1960s. I saw Sound of Freedom, and I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. It is an eye-opener. It's a shocker. It does have a happy ending because it's it's a movie, and it's a story, but it is based on a true story, and it is a story that people need to pay attention to. This interview with renowned Canadian journalist Victor Malarek about his book, The Natasha's The New Global Sex Trade, which was published in 2003, and it sounded a warning that was ignored to the peril of untold innocence sacrificed to the vile lusts of North American consumers. Give a listen to what Victor had to say. Go see the movie Sound of Freedom and see if that doesn't change your mind and possibly your life. Victor, you spoke to the Ukrainian community Thursday evening about your recently released book, The Natasha's, The New Global Sex Trade. And I know you had a grueling day on Friday speaking with the local mainstream radio stations. Thanks very much for joining us here on Nash Holos. Thank you. Uh, your book, as you pointed out, is not a coffee tale book or a cheery Christmas stocking stuffer. You paint a horrific picture of the brutal realities of the sex trade, the brutality endured by trafficked women and children whose lives are ruined by the pursuit of sexual pleasure and unimagined financial profit. 
Now, first and foremost, you blow away a lot of preconceptions and stereotypes surrounding so-called sex trade workers, and that is a rather ridiculous euphemism, if ever there was one. You uh, dispel the myth of the happy hooker. There really is no such thing, is there? No, there isn't. And I think, you know, when people look at these young women on the streets and think that they're there to make a lot of money and, and do it the easy way on their back are really wrong. They have to look beyond the cheap makeup. They have to look beyond the stiletto heels and the gaudy uh, clothes. They just have to understand that the vast majority of these women are trapped. They are enslaved. There are men who are using them, and these girls are coming out with no money. They're coming out uh, completely destroyed psychologically and physically. There are a lot of apologists uh, for this trade, there's a, a double standard in labeling. We're talking about these girls are prostitutes, sluts, and all kinds of ugly words for them, but they have clients. And they're talking about the oldest profession, but uh, you just pointed out there aren't very many hookers that are wealthy pillars of society. Well, that's right. I think one of the things I do say, and I, I really hate being pulled into this debate on uh, on the legalization of prostitution and women have the right to make a decision on how to use their own bodies and that. This is an issue of very young women by the hundreds of thousands that are being trafficked into the sex trade or into sexual exploitation. These women are not making a choice that this is what they want to do with their lives. And yet, you know, so often they are labeled the whores, the sluts, and the prostitutes. And what I basically say is they're victims, and the real whores and prostitutes are the men, the, the Johns who use them. We label them with, with very tame team labels, clients, customers, Johns. These men are exploiters and these men are criminals. If you don't look beyond, you know, what, what you're given on the street because you pay $45 or $100 to realize that this woman was forced and that she's enslaved, you are just as bad as the pimp and the organized criminals that are committing these crimes. You pointed out that in Europe, um, especially in Eastern Europe right now, um, rape is now, it was a crime when there was war on, but now it's R&R. &R. Can you go into that a little bit? Well, what I discovered going to war-torn areas like Bosnia and Herzegovina, and as well uh, Kosovo, is there are tens of thousands of peacekeepers in these places, and they're brought in to bring peace and stability, and also to arrest combatants on both sides, and charge them with war crimes if they were involved in, in heinous activities during the battles. One of the war crimes that they're being arrested for and being brought to the Hague is rape. Unfortunately, after peace comes to these areas and the peacekeepers come in, you suddenly realize that many of the peacekeepers are in fact using trafficked women, are using enslaved women for their own pleasure. So it becomes what they, a euphemism called R&R, Rest and Recreation. And, uh, you know, this doesn't make it any better. When you see tens of thousands of troops and U.N. workers and international aid workers coming into an area and suddenly a huge influx, and I mean huge influx, of brothels and uh, strip bars that uh, are housing or imprisoning tens and tens of thousands of young women from places like Ukraine, Moldova, and Romania, then you know that there's a problem. These women were not brought in to service the local clientele, they were brought in to service the peacekeepers, and they were brought in to service the international aid workers. And those men in, uh, who are in that field, this, this peacekeeper field and the international aid field, should be ashamed of themselves because they should know well what these girls are and the fact that they are enslaved. This is not a mystery and this is not uh, something that's swept under the, the rug for these people. They know that these girls are slaves. So why do they do it? <laughs> I, always, I always say men are pigs. <laughs> they, they just simply are directed by their drive, you know, their sexual drive. I mean, you get a bunch of guys together with uniforms on, and when they get time uh, off the base, they go off to these brothels, and they have a good time with these young women. And they go, you know, 5, 6, 10, 15, 30 of these men go through one woman in a day. My God. You know, look, you're not talking about a woman. You're talking about a 16, 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old, straight out of high school, really no life experience, who thought 
gee, I'm going to see part of the world. I'm going to work in a different country. I'm going to work cleaning hotel rooms or as, an await- as a waitress. I'm going to work as a nanny, something like that. They never in their wildest dreams felt that they were going to be used and abused like this by, certainly not by men with the uniforms on, with little flags on their shoulders indicating countries like the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, you know, Italy. Pretty pathetic, pretty sad. How do these girls end up there in those brothels? Many of them are kidnapped or abducted right on the streets and uh, uh, roadsides uh, in places like Moldova and Ukraine and uh, Belarus, Russia. Others are tricked simply by job uh, offers to them by these bogus uh, employment agencies that have popped up in various towns and cities throughout uh, Eastern Europe. They're told, you know, we, we've got these jobs and we swear up and down, we swear on our uh, on our mother's heads, we swear on, you know, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and all the saints that we can invoke, that no, this is a legitimate job offer, you have nothing to fear. You know, a lot of people say, well, these girls got to be pretty stupid to, to take these jobs, knowing what the possibility is for them. But what you have to understand is there is nothing for them in Ukraine, nothing for them in Moldova, nothing for them in Belarus or Romania or the Czech Republic. They are absolutely destitute and poor and will grasp at any straw and any offer that they feel might be legitimate. And unfortunately, so many of those offers lead straight to a, to imprisonment, to absolute torture and beatings, and then to a brothel. So they can't afford to 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 look at an offer and make sure that it's ironclad. They 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 basically every time they look at something they they try as best they can to to make to ascertain that it's it's legitimate and then they still go out with some hope and that hope is pretty much usually dashed, isn't it? Oh sure. I mean, when you say ironclad, I mean, you should see some of these contracts. I mean, it's, you know, in triplicate and the 5, 6, 10, 15 pages and you really think this is really legitimate. You know, they make it sound legitimate. They have, I mean, absolute con artists sitting there, and they're duping. They're not duping really super intelligent people. And super intelligent people get duped every day because I've done stories on incredible frauds around the world, and you have to really wonder how stupid you can be. In this case, what you're duping is someone straight out of high school. A kid. They're kids, yeah. And, you know, they get offered something by these adults and largely affronted by you know, and disgustingly so by women. And, uh, you know, you can't blame them for, for being foolish. Who are these women then? That act, they're, they're fronts for the for these traffickers and pimps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, she, you would be surprised. You know, oftentimes we think it's just these men. No, it's not. A lot of times women are fronting these organizations. In fact, uh, many of the cases that I found, I even found a Ukrainian doctor who was involved, psychologists, teachers, uh, the wife of a minister, you know, it, it's shocking. The other thing that happens as well is these suave, really good-looking guys come in, you no know, young men, and they sweep these young girls off their feet, you know, professing their undying love for them, and then they say, hey, let me take you on a vacation. Fortunately yeah. for the young woman or the teenager, the vacation is, you know, a route to hell. No kidding. Speaking of hell, you mention in your book Highway E-55. Yeah, the E-55, Highway to Shame. I mean, this place is really, you know, absolutely horrific when you see it. Uh, you know, you cross in through Dresden on the way to Prague on the E-55 highway just near Dubai, And this place is just five, six miles of young women on both sides of the highway uh, plying, you know, uh, a profession, but all backed up by pimps and traffickers. It, it's thousands of young women, and now we're finding that there's upwards of 500 children that are being trafficked in that area as well. UNICEF just put out a report on that. How old? Well, some of them as, as young as four, five, three, you know? My God. The pedophiles uh, are just moving in there very quickly, and they get these children. And then, uh, you know, but the, the majority of them are 7, 8, 9, and 10. You know, it, it's really disgusting. 
then you have the older, older, 16, 17, <laughs> 19, you know, and they're on the sides of the streets as well. And now Dubie itself has become a huge, huge brothel, the town itself, with clubs going all the time and German tourists and Austrian tourists driving in by the thousands every day for very cheap sex and then crossing back and going home to their families, you know, to their wife and their kids. And these are just really disgusting human beings because it is widely known that many of the girls on those roads are controlled by very, very powerful and dangerous pimps and criminals. Now, um, a lot of people might say that because this is going on in Eastern Europe and Germany, Austria, um, that's not our problem. But your books, your title is The Global Sex Trade. You make it pretty clear that it really is everyone's problem, out even here. It's everyone's problem. And the problem is now rearing its head in Canada. We're seeing more and more ads in, in these so-called community newspapers and regular newspapers. Community papers? Oh yeah, you, you see them in the, you know, in the back pages of, uh, newspapers in Toronto and in Montreal where they talk about massage parlors and, uh, escorts and that kind of thing. But you're seeing them more and more where the ads are saying Russian women. Now when they say Russian, they mean everybody. They, you know, nobody differentiates between Ukrainian, Moldovan, uh, Romanian. They just go Russian. So you see Russian women or Eastern European women massage, $60 nude you can touch half an hour and these places are popping up in in vancouver they're popping up in toronto and ottawa in montreal and it's well known that these women are coming into the country simply to do this many of them do not realize this is what they're going to do and i can't in my wildest imagination believe that young women who are 15 and 18 really want to you know put their hands on you know, 30 men a day or have to go through 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 men a day. Yeah, yeah a real desirable career choice. Yeah, it's not. Right. And, you know, when I hear people try to draw me into the debate of whether or not we should legalize prostitution, I dismiss them immediately. I refuse to get into the debate because what it does is it, it fogs the issue or yeah. throws up a smoke screen. Yeah. This is about slavery. And no one can convince me that every year 75,000 young girls out of Ukraine or 100,000 young girls out of Russia really want to make this a career choice. They are deeply, deeply impoverished. They are desperate. They are destitute. And this is what leads them to take a risk to go out of their countries in search of a job, to feed their families, to find a way to get themselves into university, to pay for their tuition or whatever. Desperation leads to desperate measures, and they take risks. Well, you know, either they take the risk or they stay at home and starve, and their families starve. And it says a lot about the Western nations, the developed countries, that basically they allow this to happen with their men going out on, on these sex tours all around the globe to use these girls rather than giving them an international help or assistance that would, you know, get them into real jobs that they want to do, not the jobs that they're forced to do or, or uh, you know, uh, coerced into doing. Now, uh, you mentioned that the, um, th this, is, this is global and the Internet has quite a lot to do with the, uh, the proliferation of this so-called trade. Oh, yeah, the Internet, as far as I'm concerned, has exploded the trade. You know, you, you sometimes look at the numbers when you look at 800 to 900,000 young women worldwide a year, um, and, and a quarter of that, 25% of that, comes out of the Eastern European countries. This didn't even exist in 1990. The European, Eastern European women, the Ukrainians, the Russians, did not exist on the radar screen as trafficked women in 1990. The wall comes down, the, the curtain crumbles, and then all of a sudden you see huge, huge numbers moving and huge, huge armies of men moving around the world to find the brothels where these girls are being held. And then when you look at that issue, you say to yourself, how did this happen? How are these men finding out about it? And then you realize, and I realized this when I was doing my research, because I was using the Internet, that the Internet was the steamiest whorehouse on the planet. 
this is where the men were getting their information from and going and getting these women and abusing them. Now, the, these women are being trafficked by some very um, nasty, ugly people, and you've stepped on some very big and ugly toes. Um, you're persona non grata over there in, in all those supplier countries nowadays, I understand. Is it reasonable to, to concern ourselves with retribution from the criminal element if, if we, you know, we do start getting involved in trying to stop this? Or, I mean, how big are these guys? No, I mean, they are big, and they're making billions of dollars off of this industry, $12 billion U.S. a year. But the reality is that this is a human rights crisis of, of horrific proportions. It involves the most vulnerable in our society, women and girls, and we have to stand up and protect them. It's not a matter of saying, well, they're going to come after us. They don't come after people who raise their voices and say, stop the traffic. Governments move in. Police forces move in. Governments understand public outcries. Governments understand when people say, do something about this, because they know they won't get reelected if they don't. If this becomes a front-burner issue, politicians realize that their careers and their existence will, will be you know, uh, measured on what they do, and they can easily be kicked out of office the next time around. This is a point where, you know, uh, police officers and, and enforcement people realize that this is now the time to take action because the government is saying, you better do something. They send messages to the courts. They pass powerful legislation. They send people to prison for long terms. And then you start to see that, for, well, criminals start to see that this is not a profitable venture anymore. And secondly, that they face really incredible prison time, and they don't want to do that. So they'll look for another criminal enterprise. Remember, this did not exist in such massive proportions as a criminal enterprise 10 and 15 years ago, not this big. And the reason it exists is because huge money is being made, and huge money is being made because the governments, justice, and police are looking at this with complacency, and there's absolute corruption. Because when you have a billion-dollar industry or a multi-billion-dollar industry, you can bribe and you can corrupt. Right. right. So then this answers my next question to you, Victor, is how ordinary people can um, can do something, can make a difference. It can start with one letter. Yeah, one letter. Uh, you know, you, you have to go to, you know, to, to our government, for example, in Canada and say, you know, we may not be a very big player on, this, on the international scene with uh, Natasha's, for example, coming to Canada. However, they are here. And we will clean it up. We will make certain that young women from Ukraine or from Russia or from Moldova will not be abused in massage parlors and strip bars and, and escort services in this country. And that we will pull them out and we will, the word is rescue them. And we will not deport them and label them as prostitutes. We will go after the traffickers and the pimps and the brothel owners and charge them for all kinds of crimes against these young women, from living off the avails to abduction to assault to uh, uh, enforcement, all kinds of things. And then the message will go out that Canada's backyard and front yard are clean. Then we could take a moral stand against the countries in which the demand is so high and, and go to those countries with our foreign affairs minister and our prime minister and say to Germany, hey, what the hell is wrong with your men and what is wrong with your government? that tens and tens and tens of thousands of Ukrainian women and, and Romanian women are being trafficked in there strictly to service the sexual needs of your pigs. So this is an, an opportunity for Canadians to lead by example. Yep. You lead by example and then you start to demand. You can't suddenly say, hey, we're going to demand this and, and we have a small problem in our own back. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, because what you'll have is those governments turning around and saying, hey, you know what, don't, talk, don't wave a moral finger at us. Well, we can wave a moral finger. So then what people should, should be doing right now is, um, A, read your book and get bone up on the facts, mm -hmm. um, and then write, a letter, write, write letters to their MPs, to, to, to talk show hosts, to basically anybody that they can, get other people involved. 
Yep, I think you know, uh, you know, the a public groundswell, even letters to editors and newspapers. Uh, why are they not getting involved in writing more and more stories about this? It's a human rights crisis, uh, probably the worst human rights crisis in a new century. And nary a word. They do one story on this, and this is enough. No, it's not enough. You know, they do story after story after story after story on AIDS. Well, we know about AIDS, and it's a crisis, and we should be writing a lot about it. But what about these young women? What is it about our society and our newspapers and our news media that suddenly we just dismiss these girls because they're using the same terminology all the time? Prostitutes. Prostitutes. And it turns people off. They're not prostitutes. These girls are victims. They're true victims. And they should be rescued. Thanks very much for sharing all this information, Victor. And thank you for taking the courage, for having the, the courage and, and taking this incredible risk to take on the mob, essentially, and uh, and bring this forward. Um, I hope everybody listening um, will take this opportunity to buy your book, to read it, read it, and to educate themselves about this and to move themselves to do something, at least write a letter to their MP. Uh, there will also be a program on CBC, actually, the Fifth Estate, your former um, employer, uh, is doing something on child pornography. Now, this is all connected. Yeah, it is. I mean, everything is, is interconnected one way or another. You have to realize that many of the children, for example, who are on 55 that UNICEF is aware of, are being used in porn films, pornography, and pedophilia uh, all over the place. So this is a, a, an issue that uh, spans just the uh, sexual exploitation of women for sex, but also for the porn industry, which is massive in, in its uh, pervasiveness. You know. Thanks again, Victor. Um, good luck in, in your future endeavors, and um, I encourage everyone to buy the Natasha's The New Global Sex Trade. All this information will be posted on the website www.nashholos.com. Any information um, regarding locating your MPs and other information like that to get involved. And I encourage you to visit that website. And again, thank you very much, Victor. Thank you. Nahadeyu vesluchite radio programu Nash Holos, radio Nashaho Korinya. Na bahatumovni radiostanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Ne žameče skinčela naše programu, vše častu domov izkazate do pobačenja, ali pred tem je hoću zalašati vas tema slovame mudroste. Krašče provirite, čem naslipo novirite. And our proverb of the week translates as, It is better to investigate than to believe blindly. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. If you miss the on-air or live stream broadcasts, the podcast link is available at our website, www.nashholos.com. Well, our time is about up, so to take us to the end of our program, a toe-tapper with the Ukrainian connection from Saskatchewan. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich!
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.